0: stay golden hurricane
1: Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token.
0: I'm Matt Rectine. And Tulsa played pretty darn well against Ohio State team that we all thought was going to end up being a bloodbath. The final score makes it look, I think, a lot worse than it actually was, you know, losing 40 to 20, 41 to 20. Um, Still covered. And the game really only looks as lopsided as it does because... We had to be super aggressive at the end. So all in all, like as an and 3 team, other than the UC Davis, this team has looked v- pretty strong in the last two weeks. Well, I don't know if strong is the right word, but has looked way better than than that UC Davis game would indicate.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And, I, I you know, I, I think we did look strong. You know, we're and 3 but I think I would definitely say we look like a strong team playing, I think, Playing with Ohio State and playing with Oklahoma State the way we have the last couple of weeks uh, does not make you think we're an 0-3 team. It was the first, you know, we obviously do- dropped the UC Davis game, which sucks, and that's really that's really killing us uh, in, I think, everybody's mindset right now still. But I think anybody who's actually watched every all three games, it does not look like a team that would have lost to UC Davis at all. If you're playing with Ohio State late in the fourth quarter, you know, six minutes left in this game, it was a seven-point game or however long. Uh, and then you know it kind of it kind of fell off the rails there. It makes the final score look way worse than it than it actually was. Uh, it's an extremely competitive game. I think it was our best performance of the year by a lot. I mean I thought we played really well against Oklahoma State too so that's saying something like I thought this game you know putting aside the final score the the 21 point loss uh, you know seven point game in the fourth quarter against the number nine team in the country with a, like four and five star recruits down the line um oklahoma state's a good team don't get me wrong but they're not on ohio state's level and as well as we played against ohio state we pretty much played better in basically every phase of the game aside from penalties penalties went back up we had 11 uh for 100 yards in this one and i think i think against oklahoma state we had six or something for like 60 yards or something like that uh so fell back a little bit in that but i you know (laughs) part of me thinks that maybe is just the the big environment it's a bigger environment than oklahoma state um, I'm sure we're amped up to be playing there. Uh, I think I saw pregame that it was the seventh most uh, attended game Tulsa has ever played in. And the the most attended game we've ever played in was the Ohio State game from 2016. So it's just like, you know, it's big time there. It's big time college football. It's a national stage. It's on Fox Sports. So like, I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't want to take a ton from the penalties in this one. And none of them were like, that, that I remember at least, were, you know, the kind that make you hate your life you know they were all like normal penalties. none of them came at horrible times like they did against UC Davis at least not that I'm remembering none of them were like obvious just lapses from the coaching staff I don't even remember where what those 11 penalties were but it felt like uh much better so overall I mean when I think about just like game management and how this game rolled out throughout the four quarters I have so few, like maybe zero complaints about play calling or game management. Like we were throwing the ball down the field. Davis Brin was letting it rip out there. Uh, I, felt, I felt really, really good about basically everything.
0: Yeah, so a couple points on what you just were talking about. I would say the two things that were a step down uh, this game is, first, the old friends or uh, nightmare, if you will, maybe, our run defense was pretty bad
1: uh could uh, i mean so i'll i'll let me I'll, I'll challenge you on this one right away and i think that's a fair point because it was bad we gave up a lot of yards and the had a, like, a day and a, yeah but the reason is like we we were i mean it, it seemed like we were totally just we were we were playing the pass we had a we were dropping eight like most of this game forcing them to run the ball on us unfortunately they have the number one recruit from last year's class in there in their running game uh, so we were putting it on putting it on them to make that happen, and they did, and we couldn't stop them because we were dropping so many guys all game. But I think that's the big reason why.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's an explanation, but when you're still giving up fifty, sixty-yard touchdown runs or close to that, like that's definitely a step down, like from Oklahoma step State. Step down
1: in terms of yards, but a step down in terms of playing out there. I don't know because the the you got to take into account the level of competition here too. And like these guys, it's just like I said before. It's another level of, of talent on Ohio State. Right, versus and I'm not ar- I'm State. not
0: arguing that. I'm just saying, like objectively, this was a much worse uh, defense game in the ru- in the run game. Um, so that's yeah, we gave up more yards, but I don't know if we played worse. I, it looks pretty bad on the like, just a lot of missed tackles, a lot of guys just kind of. Eh, not great efforts on tackling you know Trevion uh in you know once he gets back so I mean like you said both Trevion Henderson Trevion Henderson and Master Teague I mean these guys were both really strong runners probably I mean I wouldn't say probably they're going to be the best runners we're going to play all season Uh, so if that's the case you know we probably shouldn't see something like this again but I just like I'm scarred from, you know, two, three years ago where this did happen more often than not. And, you know, conversely, like we made CJ Stroud look awful. Uh, He just had against Oregon, you know, a week prior, the second most passing yards in a game in Ohio State history. And he throws for what 185 against us uh, with one touchdown, one interception like he didn't. He looked very pedestrian. Like, we clearly had the better quarterback. Uh, I mean, just from if you look at the raw stats and who looked better. Uh, I mean, Davis Brin wins that you know, easily in my book. <laughs> Which kind of ties into the other side. Our run game on offense wasn't as strong as it has been previously. Like, so UC Davis, very strong. OSU stepped down this week, didn't even get 100 yards. And again, like you're saying, caliber different ohio state is just a different level from what we've seen so far but when you're a team that's kind of built on the back of your running backs you'd like to see a little bit more production from Shamari brooks and denaric prince than we did this week and a little bit last week
1: yeah yeah no disagreements there i will say a couple things um one the running game Yeah, could not get going at all. And I saw that made me think of something I saw on Twitter today, which was a video of Shane Beamer, the head coach of South Carolina, talking about Georgia's defensive line and why they couldn't get anywhere on them. And I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but like he basically spends a good 30 seconds straight just like, (laughs) you know, saying, there's just nothing we can do. They just have five star guys all down, like they're they're back seven, like linebackers and, and defensive line. Are just so much stronger. Basically just so much better than us that there's nothing we can do about it. If you've got that much more talent on one side of the ball than the other team, uh you can't you can't do a ton. So I mean, I don't want to take away from our offensive line. I think we have a really good one. Uh, but again, it's it's tough to make that happen. And, you know, going back to another thing you said on we made their quarterback look really bad, I agree with you. He did not look good. And people are are, you know, Ohio State fans are, are kind of nuts, but they kinda they, they want him benched, all this stuff. He's a freshman, whatever. Uh Two, two things. One, in terms of like passer rating, they were basically identical. Davis Brin's passer rating was 128. CJ Strouds was 127. I do think in the eye test, Davis Brin looked a lot better than, than Stroud did. And that- Davis Brin was getting hit when he threw a lot. He was throwing off his back foot because because that uh, Ohio State defensive line was getting to him so often. Um, but I think, yeah, he, he, he looked like the better quarterback out there. And I think another reason that stroud struggled was because again going back to why they gashed us so hard in the running game this game we were dropping eight all the time right so he was throwing to guys uh, a lot of the time who, who were pretty well covered they did get open plenty of times you had some wide open busted coverages in there but uh, i think that's a big reason why yeah and i
0: mean so the rate was close and part of that is i mean every interception you throw is gonna drop that down and we had some pretty bad interceptions like in turnovers that are not zach smith like the one that's tipped and then Mm -hmm. hits the receiver's hands and then is caught you know by ohio state stuff like that and then when you're aggressive that's another thing on top of that total number like davis brin had 54 pass attempts whereas stroud had only 25 so you talk about you know having the higher rating even if it's only a point or two but at a much higher you know uh, number of attempts I think that's a little more impressive if you're just looking at the scoreboard but yeah like I was tweeting about it Davis Brin that one play didn't even end up counting for anything because you had the penalties on both sides JC Santana pushed off and also was you know ran into somebody Um, Davis Brin guy unrushed or like rusher undefended coming right at him Just stands tall, makes the pass, hits JC. It's beautiful. Brin's on the ground. He knew he was going to get hit. Looked so strong. Uh, But before we jump into more Davis Brin, which I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about him, the only other thing that I had, and you mentioned not having a lot of uh, complaints with the way this game was managed, I agree for the most part. Uh, You didn't see a lot of the stupid timeouts or late game management that we've kind of experienced in the past. My only concern and something that um well i don't know if it's a concern so much as just a grievance because uh, i'm not too worried about it going forward we should have been more aggressive on fourth down like fourth and one oh, fourth true and that's two. a good point kind of especially yeah. early on in the game we settled for field goals or punting yeah. yeah like a game like and you know it ended up being close so who knows if we take and make one of those drives and continue it this could be a one point could be tight tied late. And that changes a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and when you're on the road against a top 10 team, you honestly don't know how many chances you're going to have to score points. So take advantage like, and try and get as many points as possible. Like I, you know, just looking at NFL, uh, you, I don't know if anybody watched like the Ravens, Kansas city game last night, they go in fourth and one, uh, Your options are punt it, give it to Patrick Mahomes, who you know, well, you know, good chance he's going to score versus go for it. And so I feel like it's kind of a similar uh, situation for us. Like you're playing a team like Ohio State. And this is, I'll say, like my thinking here is before the game. Like hindsight, we know their offense wasn't as strong, so maybe it it looks better in hindsight, I guess. But like at the time, Ohio State, you know, good chance that if you give them the ball back, they're going to make you pay for it. Why not just take the, you know, what looks like risky, but really like fourth and one, you should be able to get a yard. That's not that it's just, you know, it, it seems riskier because if you fail, you turn it over, but you should be able to get that. So that's my only grievance. I wish Monty would be a little more aggressive in these games. Um, but, you know, this is something we've seen in the past where he settled for, a field goal uh unless the kicker was so bad that that wasn't really a guarantee which has happened as well
1: yeah i, do, I don't disagree at all i think especially when you're a 25 point underdog you know you got to say you got to go for it like when yeah it, it that was really disappointing i totally forgot about that so i appreciate you bringing it up that was uh that definitely seemed like one where or with two times right that we should have gone for it on fourth down so um, yeah that's definitely a concern and then you know you're you're bringing up that concern made me think of another concern that you kind of alluded to some broken tackles there in the defense and yeah I definitely noticed a couple and you know the the big one I, I think of right off the bat is the Trayvon Fuller uh, or the you know a couple he's like there were like three missed tackles on this play it was the Trayvon Henderson like 48 yard run mm-hmm. uh, I think early in the third quarter maybe um, and there were a, there were a few broken tackles but the most egregious one was the Drayvon Fuller uh man i mean he he was coming up on you know coming up on him at an angle and just didn't even try he he went for the he went for the fumble strip right he tried to punch it out and i appreciate that by itself but like you also have to try to tackle the guy it's like so he just hit he hit he tries to hit the ball and doesn't even give it a, even a fake of an attempt to try to wrap him up and I know he was playing with a, a broken hand or a broken finger or whatever was going on with that with that hand over there. Uh, but, man, like you got to at least make it look like you're trying here. So that that one was a bummer. And I've noticed things like that a couple times now um, on this Tulsa defense. They, I, I get a little bit concerned that we're not, uh, you know, wrapping guys up instead of going for the big hit sometimes. And I don't know if this is a legitimate concern or not, but it's something that's on my mind. So I'm going to be keeping – paying closer attention to it at least uh, in the short term to see if I, I see anything continuing like that. But yeah, that's definitely a concern. And that's
0: something, you know, I played rugby in high school and our coaches made a huge deal about, you know, wrapping up in, you know, different sports, obviously rugby, you can't really launch yourself cause that's, you're going to kill yourself. But I mean, so many of these guys are giants have low center of gravities. It would take like getting hit by a truck for them to just, fall over when they get hit by something so if you're not going to wrap them up they're just going to you know very good chance that guys especially henderson's just going to be able to bounce uh and keep on moving like he got hit by a fly uh so yeah just wrap up trip them up that's how especially when you're at an athletic uh disadvantage that's what you got you can't just rely on a big hit even though those are the ones that you know you see on tv that look awesome occasionally
1: or but a lot of the times those big hits also are nicely wrapped up at the end. You know, it's like you wrap them, you hit them, and you kind of take them up and you drive, you dive them, you drive them down. Uh, so do that. You know, go for the go for the big one like that. Wrap them. I don't, yeah. I mean, oh, God, it was frustrating. It was like, man, are we even, There's no are we even trying out there? But like most of the time on defense, I think they were, they were doing a pretty good job. I didn't see, outside of like the big ones, like the big missed tackles, I don't remember any, you know, kind of, you know, Kandarian Ray had a couple missed ones. Yeah, uh, it's just the big the ones are the ones times, that
0: stick with you because they yeah look for so sure.
1: Overall, I think it was mostly mostly fine. Um, and I do want to like while we're talking about uh, Trayvon Fuller a little bit here, he did have a re- that really awesome uh, nice interception there with but you know the one hand like I just said, he's got the hand wrapped up. Uh, totally wrap, like you know, if you didn't watch the game, I mean, it was a not just the little like fingers wrapped together, club. like full mitt, yeah, like a club out there. I mean, it was big wrap. So, I mean, the guy, I mean, it's like throwing off his center of gravity for all I know. Like he's he was out there making good plays with it and had the had the one pick. He like batted it with one hand and brought it down, and brought it down again. Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty impressive. So good on him for that one. Uh, but just make that tackle next, time, or try to make the tackle next time you got somebody in space. A um, couple other big defensive plays. Kandarian Ray uh, mentioned him, so I'll I'll, t- I'll bring this one up now too. Really awesome uh, hitting the backfield on their quarterback C.J. Stroud. Kind of you know coming around the end, uh, linebacker or the lineman had to choose between taking the inside guy or Kendaren on the outside. Chose the inside, which I think is the right move there. But that leaves Kandarian Ray, one of our one of our most athletic players on that defense, out free with with the quarterback. So uh, he makes a huge hit on Stroud. Stroud fumbles it um i think Goodlow is the one that Mm -hmm. recovered that fumble yep and that was man that was a cool one and like that guy you can tell he loves to get in there and do that kind of thing he's he's just so athletic and he can do so many things on that side of the ball it's always fun to watch him i'm I'm, obviously we're both i think very big kender and ray fans uh switching to the offense here uh for a second something i wanted to uh, there were a lot of good things to bring up on the offensive end um a couple things we've you know, We'll talk about Bryn, I'm sure, on and off, uh, so I'll skip that one for now. But uh, we did, you know, Bryn related is when we talked about last week against Oklahoma State when we were recapping that game. We talked about how there were several times that the running backs were kind of wide open in the flat, and Bryn would either not see them or pass them up and go with somebody else when they were like a good, like eight-ish oh, yards gonna make me of sad. open field in front of them. Um, no, I'm not even saying anything sad here. I'm saying okay. it happened a lot this game. Like it, it worked a lot. I thought were, like I, thought I saw talk a bunch of good plays happen from this. I mean there were a couple drops for sure, but like there were also some like like we what we wanted against OSU. He was making those throws into the flats. Uh and I think Brooks had a had had a drop or two and maybe did I don't think Prince did though, did he?
0: Yeah, not sure how many targets he had. All I know is all Well I'm all, saying
1: Oh, you're just saying you don't know if he got if he had drops? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They. Yeah, each... I, I definitely remember Brooks had a couple. Yeah. Um, three of the
0: running backs, each Brooks, Prince, and Watkins all had uh, one reception. So I don't know how many total yeah. passes we had out there.
1: Yeah, and they were good. Like they were they were open. So I was just happy to see that those plays were made this game, like pretty often. Uh, in, in instead of you know last game we were kind of begging him to throw to the open guy right there, and so I think that definitely helped a lot. Um, overall, you know, the offense looked good to me. Like first drive of the game against Ohio state, we get all the way down to their five and kick a field goal. Um, couldn't score unfortunately, but like points on the first drive against them after, you know, kind of slowly breaking out of the cycle of slow starts, I think uh, that we've been dealing with for a year, year plus now, or two, like two years plus basically. Um, so that, that was super positive. Happy to see that a lot scoring on the first drive against a big team like that. Maybe that'll start to break the mold a little bit uh, with the team's mentality there. If, if there is something mental going on. But, um, Lots of good stuff. I think one of the highlights of this game uh, that wasn't Josh Johnson, who had many highlights in this game, so we'll we'll talk about him. But one that wasn't him that was certainly a highlight was Cannon Montgomery getting in there with a touchdown. Fourth career catch, first career touchdown, and it was like a 20-something yarder, right? 21 yards. He made it look easy. And I'll tell you, so – because so me and Matt both had to leave the game with or stop watching this game with like eight minutes left. So I didn't get to see the last eight minutes. So because of that, I was watching... Uh, there's this really... I don't know how often this guy does it, but on YouTube, there's an account. I think it's called Wheels. And they they just do like 15-minute... They're basically all like 15 to 20-minute videos of all the big-ish plays in the game just in a row without basically any stopping in between. Uh, so if, just a, it's a nice way to catch up on like, what were the big plays in this game... Without just getting like the the two minute highlights or whatever, Uh, really cool. So I was watching those, and both those. So I'll I'll bring in Josh Johnson here and his touchdown too because they were extremely similar. They were basically the same play run, kind of opposite, right? Same side. They started on. They both started on the same side of the field, the right side, both times. This is how it went. They got into a bunch triple formation on the right side of the offense. Cana Montgomery in the middle, Josh Johnson on the left, J.C. Santana on the right. I think on the second one it was actually uh, Ezra Naylor on the right, but it was always Josh Johnson on the left, Cannon in the middle, and they would run out and. Uh, so the first one was uh, Cannon. Well, who was whose was first? Cannon. Josh Johnson's, I think. No. Cannon's was first. Yeah. Okay, so Cannon's was the first one. Uh, Josh Johnson's on the left side of this bunch set, and they both they all all three guys kind of move forward at the same position, and then the guy on the left, Josh Johnson in this case, takes a takes a cut to the right like diagonally. Kind of blocks his own man, but also steps in front of a uh, Cannon Montgomery guy in the middle man, sets a pick on him, and, I mean, it worked like magic both times. Both of those touchdowns were just wide open. You remember Josh Johnson's was, too, in the in the back of the right of the end zone. Cannon cuts left out of the middle, comes over the middle wide open also. And it was the same thing for Josh Johnson's, right? You got Josh on the left, Cannon in the middle. They all move. Cannon this time cuts left picks picks josh johnson's guy and leaves josh and i mean it, it was like these guys had no answer for this pick play it was amazing and so both these like deep passes just nobody within five yards of either one of them uh and both just had you know kanan had to walk into the end zone basically and and josh caught it with nobody else even close to him in the end zone so i thought that was super cool i did not realize watching it live that they were basically the same play uh just run a little bit differently and that, that was pretty sweet Yeah, and then I saw after the game uh, you got Canem or Philip didn't. Or I saw today actually, I think that uh, Philip Montgomery, you know, talking about it and everything, like talking about his son' first career touchdown catch, and um, it was just good to watch. You know, he was talking about one of the things he said was, you know, that guy has put in all the work. He gets a little bit of flack because he's the coach's son, but if he wasn't, he'd be a guy that has earned his earned his scholarship on this team because of the, the the amount of work he's put in and. Uh, it seemed really, really genuine and really good. It was, it was a really nice one to watch. It, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. Was that directed at uh, our podcast episode last week? We didn't give them flack, but no. I mean, no. I, I, all we've gone. So I see what you're saying. But all we've gone and said, basically, is like... Why are you throwing to him on third and long in the fourth quarter of the game when we're trying to win which is I mean sort of close to what we did in this one and it worked so I mean I'll take it I mean I think Cannon's when was cannon's in third, third quarter? quarter one minute so you know still not inside the uh our question yeah but still I mean uh, yeah you're right <laughs> I mean hey, hey if he's, yeah, got, if if, he's, if he's, he's if wide open, passes, if he's
0: wide open right there and he can do that every time yeah, yeah
1: hell yeah past him every time. Yeah, and, and the complaint in the past has been justified because we've made those passes where he has been less open and has not caught that ball, you know. So if he's going to do that consistently, by all means, throw it to him every time. I don't care. Like, the, all, all the better. It's the coach's son. If he ended up being, like, one of the best players on the team, that would be, like, the storyline. Philip Montgomery's son is, like, Tulsa's best player, right? That would be incredible. Uh, and then he would deserve to get thrown the ball like that, and uh, that, would, that would be really cool. So I'm, I'm definitely pulling for him. I don't, I'm not rooting for him to fail or anything like that. Yeah
0: so the other uh you know outside of josh johnson the big storyline for me is the kansas transfer ezra naylor came in so keelan stokes was out not sure did you ever hear why he was out
1: yeah he was he was walking around the sideline in sweatpants uh i don't know what the injury was i'm sure i could have probably figured it out but i didn't have much time to figure anything out before this episode yeah
0: so you know we're already down keelan and relying on josh johnson jc santana sam crawford Uh, But, you know, that's why Cannon got so much playing time and as well as Ezra Naylor transfer from Kansas. Mm. This is his first year on the team. Yep. First game that he's played. He didn't play in the OSU or the uh, UC Davis, but Uh, I don't think so. I think he played. mm. Not according to sports reference. Sports reference says he's
1: only got one game. Do they only count it if you have a reception or something? I, I am almost positive I've seen him out there. Maybe.
0: I mean, so if I look at his game logs, it won't – yeah. I mean, if they do, maybe because they only list the Ohio it, that State That must one. be
1: it. Like, I, I, I feel like I definitely remember seeing him out there against Oklahoma State and, like, telling uh, my wife, like, hey, that's Ezra Naylor. Like, that's the guy from Kansas. I, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well –
0: I don't remember uh, for sure because he didn't do anything in uh, the other two games at least. So, yeah. first game that I'll say that he's had an impact uh, for Tulsa. Ah,
1: yes, he did. Because I remember he. there was... Sorry, <laughs> I don't want to catch you off. But I just remembered one play, in, one play in particular, I think against Oklahoma State. There was a fade in the back of the end zone that was to Ezra Naylor that came like right over his shoulder. And he had a chance to make this crazy one-handed catch. Didn't make the catch, but it was right to him. Mm, yeah,
0: I vaguely remember you talking about that last week too now.
1: Yeah. But... Okay, go on. Yeah, so I was just
0: going to say, he looked good. Uh, I mean, he's probably, what we were talking about, our biggest receiver. Like, we haven't had a receiver as big as him since Josh Atkinson and Kears Garrett before, which is nice. We've had a decent amount of speed, uh, but not a big body that we can throw up to. Because he is 6'4", 206 pounds right now. That is good. What is – I mean, I never remember who – Who's our tallest after that, you think?
1: It's So I remember talking about this. I just looked it up while you were talking, so I found the answer right away. It's Perfect. Josh Stewart, and we've talked about him before. But he, but Josh Stewart is actually out, yeah, um, he's not on. I think, for the season. He did something preseason, and I think he's out for the whole year. Yeah, I heard his TU career was done. I don't remember if he's coming don't know. back or not. Uh, I think Sam Crawford is like six one. Uh, Keelan Stokes is obviously a smaller guy. Yeah, Sam Crawford is six one. So yeah, Man. outside of Josh Stewart, we don't have basically anybody like six three taller. I
0: I still like Sam Crawford being six one kinda surprises me.
1: Like you think he's taller? Shorter. Oh really? Yeah, I don't know. I always think he's a bigger guy. I
0: always kinda just put lump him and Keelan together as kind of like <laughs> same size. And I always think Josh Johnson's taller than he's only five eleven. I don't I don't know. Yeah, he's a small guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. He's a small guy. So,
0: needless to say, looked good out there. Made some pretty good, pretty awesome catches. Five total catches for 81 yards. Uh, definitely, an, had some good rapport with Davis. I mean, Davis ended up hitting oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, nine different receivers in this game. Uh, you know,
1: damn, yeah.
0: Was it really nine? Oh my gosh! You've got. Brooks, Prince, we have that many. Oh, so three running backs. Like, yeah, but then on top of that, I mean, you got six. You got Josh Johnson, J.C. Santana, Ezra Naylor, Sam Crawford, Ethan Hall, and Cannon yeah. Montgomery. Like outside, oh yeah, Ethan
1: Hall had the couple early. Yeah, yeah outside yeah. of the running nice. backs,
0: like that's still like he is getting the ball, slinging it out to everybody. That's something I think we've needed a lot of times in the past. It's kind of been the Keelan Stokes show. A couple of years ago, it was Keelan Stokes and Sam Crawford. Last year, I think really brought on. Josh Johnson and JC. And now we've got somebody who's
1: hitting everybody. Which means well, I also think when you throw when you throw 54 passes in a game, you're probably going to get it out to more people too. Right. But he's like you
0: could No, I agree. Yeah. I, agree. I mean, so you take it before that, you know, maybe Josh Johnson doesn't have 8, JC Santana doesn't have 7. Like all these guys are still right. going to see targets which I think is nothing but good for our passing game in the future. Like we now have threats across the field.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, And all this without Keelan Stokes too. I think that means a lot. Um, I think I saw, you know, just while I have it in my head here, I think I saw from Kelly Hines post game that those 54 attempts were the most since Dane Evans, actually, maybe, I don't, maybe it was even before him. But I think the, the stat that she gave, and I'm going to I'm gonna get the details wrong here, but all of the times that we've had, like, a ton of passing attempts like that, like 50-plus or something, I think Dane may have had 51 a couple games. Um, I think that was it. But all of them have come on the road against good teams. So, like, when we're playing on the road against these big dogs, Philip Montgomery likes to throw it around. And we always – I mean, generally, we, we play fairly well. Obviously, the Ohio State game didn't go great, and we probably threw it a bunch against them that game too. Actually, we probably didn't because it was pouring rain. So I don't Are know. Are talking back to the, um, uh, the 2016, 2016 game? 2016 game. Yeah. Sorry. I should have specified that one. Uh, but yeah, like we, we like to throw the ball around a lot on the road against powerful teams. We should do that against the normal conference foes. I'll tell you what, like it works. We have a good quarterback, especially now. So hopefully we see that more uh, as we start to get into conference play here in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah. And just speaking on the, uh, you know, Ohio State game, we were both afraid that this was going to be this was so much better than
1: the 48 to three absolute beatdown. <laughs> yeah. No rain. Much better weather. Ohio State's definitely and I, like, worse. Like I was listening to uh, I was listening to that uh, the Buckeye Extra podcast that had Kelly Hines on. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and they were they were going through that that 2016 game, and Kelly like it reminded me that this wasn't just like a kind of blowout from the start, which is kind of what I had in my head for some reason. It was like it was really even early on, Until and then the that rain delay hit. Yeah, the weather delay. Yeah, flipped the game. And like, I think right when we came back the first from the weather was delays, six. when we threw the two pick sixes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. And so I was like, oh God. Yeah, yeah. Looking
0: back at that game, we had 32 passes for 127 yards. Uh, Dane's most he had that season was 51 pass attempts against Houston. Um, there you go. Yeah. And let's see anything. He had 51 and 50 the year prior, a uh, bunch of forties, 45s yeah and then let's see his first year his highest was 53
1: against Tulane so
0: no nope, so still 54. even all of Dane's career this 54 is uh oh, against, we had a 54 uh, Memphis in 2014
1: okay nice so this is so most most passing attempts since 2014 mm-hmm. tied wow pretty nice pretty nice I'm here for it uh some other you know quick notes just to touch on before we move on to players of the game and, and stuff like that um Uh, A couple things. One, Shamari Brooks actually got one more carry than Daeneric Prince, which I think is only notable because we've talked in past episodes about has Philip Montgomery kind of settled on Daeneric Prince as being more of the guy. Um, Previous episodes we've said, like, you know, it seems like it has gone Brooks heavy in the first quarter plus a little bit, and then it kind of goes Daeneric Prince heavy, right? So something we were keeping an eye on was, like, is that going to continue and is Daneric Prince going to continue having the lion's share of the carries here? And, um, no, like at least in this game, neither running back was getting anything going. Uh, so it ended up being even across the board. I think Brooks had 10 Prince had nine. They both averaged under five yards carry. Uh, so nobody got, nobody did really great. Uh, Anthony Watkins had four carries as well. Sorry. Go ahead, Matt.
0: I was just going to ask. Um, I wasn't paying enough attention, but I'd be interested in going back and looking at it because if we view it from a uh, Shimari Brooks kind of gets the first and then some like at what point did we really stop running? Cause it just wasn't working and kind of move over to the mm. passing. So that might have some of the impact. Good question. Why, you know, maybe we started passing by the times it would have been Prince getting the ball every time. So just something, um, yeah, good point. might have to I'm not sure. look at that again, uh, see if that, you know, maybe is part of the reason.
1: Yeah. True. Very well could be, uh, I don't know. Uh, also notable, I think for the first time this season, maybe not first time that, that I noticed while we were watching it, Jordan Ford, the junior from junior college, uh, got a carry. I think he just had the one, yeah, one carry for three yards. Yes. Okay. So he got in there, which as far as I know is his first time he's got, pull up his uh, stats. he's
0: got two games listed, uh, on special teams. So he's okay. had two kick gotcha. returns so far, but this is, this was his first carry of the yeah. season.
1: Okay, so he came in there. Uh, interesting. Maybe just trying to shake it up because we weren't making something happen, like like we've talked about. Um, yeah, I think that that honestly is pretty much all I had on on offense and defense stuff as well. Uh, you brought up the Ezra Naylor point. I think that is a good one because, like you said, like he he's a big guy and he showed it in this game. Besides just being a big target for Davis Brinton to throw at, like when he catches the ball, he's hard to bring down. Like I remember two plays in particular. One, he caught and just like lowered his shoulder into the Ohio State guy and knocked him back. Like it was a big time, like he's gonna take you down, not, not not afraid of the contact. And then second, uh was not quite as aggressive on his part, but he would he caught a ball um I think I think second quarter or sometime he had a catch where he was just like he, you know, they they just couldn't bring him down. He broke like two tackles right off the bat and then was pushed out of bounds at the end on the left side. And so he's just a guy like outside of being a big target and tall, he's, he's big, you know, he's a bigger guy. So I really like having somebody like that a lot to kind of compliment the speed on the outside we have with, with Keelan Stokes and Sam Crawford and Josh Johnson.
0: All right. You ready to, you want to dive into players of the game?
1: Yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, I'll go, I'll go
0: first uh, for offense. So, not surprised. Well, actually, you know, this was tough because Josh Johnson, we talked about, great game. You know, eight receptions, 149 yards, great touchdown. I, you know, yep. he was my breakout player of the year. Last year, candidate, big fan. But Davis Brin, <laughs> like, we haven't talked about him enough. He was the player of the game for me. He is, yeah. like, I don't know. I mellowed out a little bit after UC Davis. Got a little more excited last week against Ohio or Oklahoma State. And then this week... I am all back on Davis' Sanity. Oh, yeah. Like I am all aboard <laughs> the train. Four hundred twenty-eight yards. That is the most passing yards, not only that, like a single quarterback has had, but that Tulsa has had in a game since Memphis uh, in twenty sixteen, when Dane threw for like four hundred and thirty yards. Uh, if you remember, nice. that was like a that was like a sixty-two to forty-four homecoming game, yeah. Friday night yep. uh, game. And so, yeah, I saw this on Twitter. How is Davis Brin not starting last year more often? Like, we had this guy who's throwing 400 yards. He's throwing bombs. He's hitting. He looked so good. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. One of them, kind of not his fault. I mean, it was tipped. That was actually, that was just great play on, by Ohio State's corners. Tipped yeah. it. First one, still, definitely. Still bounced off. Well, yeah, and you say... I was also gonna say first one asterisk because you have that weird um, pass that was caught, stripped, and was an interception, but then reversed and was not an interception. Surprisingly, um, if you remember that with a guy against Oklahoma State, is that what you're against Ohio State? Where
1: I don't, I don't remember.
0: That. Oh yeah, you do the uh, the one where it's somehow. <laughs> The cornerback went for the tackle and ended oh, up with oh, the yeah. ball. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, actually yeah, yeah, an interception.
1: Yeah. They, they like, it was a Crawford or whatever, doe for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, but yeah, it's, and the other one is we just got to go deep. I mean, we're down because they scored immediately after or like, you know, a long drive and run. Like we just were playing down. So a little more aggressive. But yeah, Davis Brin looked good. He looked solid. He took fewer sacks. You have that stupid intentional grounding. Um, that one was. I mean, the line just broke. There's not much to do there. Uh, but he looked strong in the pocket. He didn't take too many bad sacks. He was quicker on making decisions. He was getting hit often, getting hit frequent, like frequently. You know, synonym for often. Um, but wasn't timid wasn't afraid to stand tall hit you know the receivers as they got open so I fully believe he can be one of the top quarterbacks in this conference and I am so excited for the next nine games with him uh, because I really think like Ohio State is probably the hardest team we're gonna play Uh, we're gonna play like Cincinnati I mean I guess you could argue they're better than Ohio State at this point based on what we've seen but definitely. I, the I team, think they would
1: definitely be better on defense.
0: Yeah. This team has now had a chance to gel. And I think we'll finally see against Arkansas State what we're actually capable of. And so that's kind of in our preseason prediction. I made a similar point where Zach, or Davis Brin's bounce back against Arkansas State is really going to determine how our season goes. Um, he doesn't need a bounce back because he had a great game against Ohio State. And this game is really now not so much a still a bellwether for the rest of our season, though. Can he keep it up? I think the answer is yes at this point. Uh, But I'm really interested to hear what your take is.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I picked Davis Brent, too. Uh, not surprised that you wanted to go first. There were so many good things to say about him. You covered basically all of them. I will add, though, you say, why didn't he start last year? I'll tell you exactly why he didn't start last year. Two reasons. One, both are related to Philip Montgomery. One, he's from ba- – Zach Smith was from Baylor. He's the Baylor guy. Philip Montgomery is from Baylor. He got the Baylor transfer to come over. Big P5 uh, transfer quarterback. Big physical guy. Pretty talented. Um that's point number one. He's got the Baylor connection and the Philip Montgomery connection already. Point number two is Philip Montgomery, to his credit and, uh, and dismay, I think, is extremely loyal to the people who join him. Like He's loyal to tenure on the team, and he's loyal to guys who switch teams to come play for him. I think that those two combined, the fact that Zach Smith was a senior, he came from Baylor, he's got the relationship, he's not a bad quarterback, He's not bad enough to lose that job to Davis Brin, Uh, although I would say I agree with you that Davis probably would have, probably. I mean, based on what we've seen, do we win the conference? Would have been better. I mean, you definitely have some more offensive firepower. I think with with him under center. Like I mean, you just said all the stuff uh, about his game, about his play so far um, this season, especially these last couple games. He, I mean, and you got to think some of that would have been there last year, too, right? It's not like he gained all of this stuff uh, in, in the one bad game against UC Davis. It's not like he, he bounced all the way back out of nowhere. He's got that talent. And you're right. I mean, obviously, he can throw well when he's got a clean pocket. But what's more impressive about him is how he's thrown when he does not have the clean pocket. And you, you said some of this, but I mean, so many times Ohio State's got such a powerful defensive line. So many times he had a man in his face. A man like on his face with like his their bodies or he was falling off his back foot or off to the side like across his body and none of these passes were like egregious misses or anything like that he was hitting a lot of these guys i i, I totally agree i think i think David Brand had an incredible game this game uh the picks i i barely i barely put either of them on him the second one was a little worse but again we were fourth quarter just kind of gunning trying to get down the field uh so i'll give him a pass on that one and the first one got tipped like you said so I totally I'm on the same page as you like I'm back to preseason levels of hype. That was unfair for us to put on him in game one. But now I'm back to being unfair and putting it on him for uh, for Arkansas State. So maybe it won't be uh, it won't come back to bite us so bad in this game.
0: All right, you want to take us away on defense?
1: Oh shit, no! no that reminds me, I I, did, I have to give a different one because you, <laughs> I forgot I didn't even actually make my make my call. So since you picked Davis Brin, I have the obvious second placer here, which is Josh Johnson. We also, I mean, um, we don't
0: have I, to pick like it's the offensive player of the game. You can do it, yeah. Oh.
1: But I want to because okay. I got more things to say. Okay. So since you picked it, I can talk more, which is this is what a podcast is all about, man. So you picked you picked Davis Brin. I'll go Josh Johnson. Although I like. You know how how badly I want to give it to Kana Montgomery here because first career touchdown, it was nice. You know, but you just you can't you can't give it you can't not give it to to Davis Brinton or Josh Johnson after the games that they had. Josh Johnson, we've talked about him, eight catches, 150 yards, touchdown, uh, really nice wide open touchdown catch on the, on that one in the back of the end zone. He had a play that got a lot of attention after the game. Uh, the juke he put on, the, the Ohio State cornerback, he, like, double-moved him, cut it to the outside, uh, left him in the dust. And that, you know, that he, he's a fast dude. That's what he's all about. He he made it happen against Ohio State. Uh, really big game from him against a good defense. So uh, I'll, I'll say Jess Johnson. Okay, so defensive player of the game. Um, move to that. A couple things. Uh, so first thought was like oh Trayvon Fuller had the nice interception uh but I I don't know I am like negating that in my head because of just we talked about it already the the terrible time he didn't even like had he tried had it been like had he dove and tried to wrap him up didn't he I didn't think he that would have been more fair too, to give it to him though I don't think so okay there was at one Not point I saw. there was
0: at one point where he went down uh, and they had the trainers out, and I don't remember if it was that play or if it was one of the other. Like I don't
1: the think runs. there's any way it could have been that play because he didn't do anything. He was just running. <laughs> maybe it's like, yeah, because he was hurt. <laughs> maybe he got hurt. Oh, maybe maybe before that pass man, was made or something bad. while he was running over. I mean, still, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think that's what it was. I would feel bad if that's what it was, but like, I don't. I don't think it was. I think that was just. Uh, uh, unfortunate effort on that one. Um, so I'm like, i basically negating the, inter- the, uh, the, the great interception he had, which was a great interception, uh, cause he didn't, he didn't do that. So I'm gonna give it to Kandaran Ray this game. He had the big time sack that we already talked about, forced that fumble. I, I guess not really a sack cause it was a fumble, but basically a sack. Uh, whoever recovered that, Goodlow, I think, had three solo tackles on his own. I did, you know, and I, I sort of mentioned this before, I think he did miss a couple of tackles in the backfield a time or two. Um, but outside of him, I had trouble finding somebody to give it to. And I think he did play a good game overall. So I, I was uh, – and the, and the tackles he missed, you know, I, I, I'm digging on Trayvon Fuller for missing a tackle. The tackles that Kendaren Ray missed weren't for a lack of effort out there. Like, he, he's just got burned a couple times because that's what Ohio State does to you. So I'm going to stick with him.
0: Yeah. So Kendaren Ray was my first – pick but I figured you would probably switch after that because I had an inkling you weren't going to say Trayvon Fuller anymore so I will say <laughs> um, I think Fuller had a good game outside of you know that one bad and part of it is like uh, I kind of hate when you're relying on your corners and your safeties to be tackling the running back that means you know oh, somebody sure. missed something one of your linebackers uh, mostly of, all of your linebackers weren't kind of on the ball um, which is hard to say because we have a good linebacking core.
1: You know, you've got Justin Wright. You've got uh, Grant Soar, Bryson
0: Powers. Still no Reeves. Uh, oh,
1: speaking of which, yes, I forgot to bring this up. I think, my guess at least, and I, I think I, I, my only reason for this being my guess is because I heard the Oracle of Tulsa football, Kelly Hines, uh, posit this one. And that is that uh, she thinks potentially that Reeves and maybe Christian Williams and maybe uh, Tyler Tipton have COVID or are in COVID protocol and it makes, necessarily have COVID. Yeah. would make so sense. It's been a cop. That'd make a ton of sense. Cause I haven't seen them walking around in sideline gear, you know, sweatpants on the sideline or anything like that either. So okay. I think they are just out, you know? Yeah.
0: And with nothing really having been said, that makes sense because so many programs are kind of secretive about uh, yep. the COVID stuff in general.
1: I feel like I shot up probably should have guessed that one earlier. I don't know why that didn't even. Yeah. It's just,
0: me. but um, I mean, wasn't there something about Tulsa saying, almost the entire team was vaccinated or pretty close. Like I remember our number being yeah, they were pretty close high. To it. So it's kind yeah. of like, I don't know. You wouldn't expect it, is or it? That's kind of why it wasn't my first thought. Um,
1: yeah, fair.
0: So, but yeah, Trayvon Fuller, um, I think for as much hype as Tyon Davis has gotten so far, you know, early in the season, I think Fuller has been our top cornerback uh, just for the most part. And I think he kind of showed it on that pick without a hand, just how good and how dangerous he can be. Um, on top of that, I, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully he's not hurt. Cause yeah, everybody to his credit, everybody was not tackling Travion H- Henderson this game. Uh, it reminded me of the Memphis game. But they were trying They're trying to. maybe, I don't know. um,
1: Okay, I'll get off yeah. the. I'll get off the hate on. Trade <laughs> well, on it, on, it just trade. reminded
0: me. Do you remember the Memphis game uh, in twenty eighteen, maybe twenty nineteen? But it would. I just remember like we'd score a touchdown, go out get a beer while waiting in the beer line. Memphis would then score a touchdown, just like on the kick return <laughs> or on the running. I'm just like, that's what this game felt like. Cana Montgomery scores, and then they score within a minute. Um, it <laughs> was that quick. So, there was a lot of not great tackling so i'm not gonna fault fuller enough to lose (laughs) honorable mention for defensive player of the game
1: fair all right take us away on uh, everybody's favorite special teams player of the game Uh, i mean zach
0: maybe i don't know he didn't do anything well i don't know because his first kick of this game looked eerily similar to the last kick of last game. Oh, my God. I know. Like, it made me very mad. Uh, I Maybe it's a squib. I hope. <laughs>
1: Nobody knows. I mean, to his credit, we,
0: <laughs> they only got to the 19. So, they actually didn't get that many yards on it. Yeah. Um, he made all his field goals. He made his PATs. Rock solid. There's not much. I mean, Lachlan looked good. He had some deep, booming punts. Uh, and they're only getting even boomier as his hair gets longer so why he cut it off nobody knows should not have um but yeah i guess i'll do co zach long and uh or Cannon montgomery you know maybe he gets it scores the touchdown gets the juju hat still comes out on the field to take <laughs> the point after Cannon montgomery is my special teams player of the week
1: to hold to hold it yeah yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, that's a, I, I, I feel that's a good point. Like there aren't that many good options here. And I, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page as you. Like I really don't like Zach long kicking our field goals. I like him as a person. Uh, all right. I probably think I do, but like, I don't like him taking the kicks. They never like, I feel like his average kick has got to be like 60 yards. You know, it's not getting down the field or if that probably not, probably not even, um, it is just like, man, And anytime I see him out there, I'm like, God, I wish we, we, we've we only seen, I don't think Tyler Tipton took the field or took the kickoffs last season, Mm-mm. right? He only got in there for those early field goals yep. against Oklahoma State. And the, the small amount of time that we've seen him in there taking the kickoffs this season, he has just booted him out the end zone, yeah. right? So I want to see that again. Uh, if he's in COVID protocol, then that's understandable. But if he's not, then, I mean, I'm like, man, where is this guy? So... I don't know. I don't. I I don't have any good special teams player of the game. Uh, I like the Cannon Montgomery pick after the touchdown, uh, holding the field goal. That's that's a pretty good one. Uh, so I'll default to uh, Zach Long, I suppose. Or no, I'll default to, to Lachlan Wilson because he had a, a normal, fine day without doing anything wrong and and some good th- and some good punts too. So I'll go with him.
0: Average punt forty seven point five.
1: Not bad. Be good. I did see that we are like a hundred something in, in punting so far this year though, which is uh, not great hundred what? Um, huh? Ranked hundred? Yeah. Of, yeah. On let me. Uh, net punting. Oh, I see. All rankings. Let me. Uh, let me pull it up again here. Hundred and sixth. Hmm. Sad. Kind of surprising. I know. Uh. All right. So let's uh let's move to an Arkansas State preview. I am not going to spend much time on this because I barely have anything to say. Um. We spent basically all of our podcast time that we normally spend. Uh, doing the conference realignment the expansion episode that we put out yesterday on Sunday night. So go listen to that if you haven't. That was a blast. Uh, I'll talk about it again at the end of the episode. But um, that's where all of our preparation time went this week. So Arkansas State Preview, they are... Fine, not really. Maybe bad. Who knows? They're one and two in the Sun Belt. They have played an FCS team and then two FBS teams. They've lost both their FBS games. They won their FCS game. So not everybody can. But they played. They've played good teams in the FBS. Not everybody can say that, unfortunately. It's very true. Very true. Sadly, and literally, anytime I bring this up to you know we I we talked about I brought this up with Eli on when we had him on for Oklahoma State. He brought it up that we lost to an FCS team and I brought up FCS anytime I say the word FCS and I brought it up, uh, yesterday when we were talking, you know, the AAC expansion guys. And of course, Nathan bond has to, has the first thing he says is like the first thing out of his mouth. When he joined that call before he started recording was like, Oh, you guys lost to an FCS team. And we didn't from South Florida. We're just going to pace by like 50 points this year. So, uh, please. uh, I never lose to an FCS team again. It takes, takes like years to live this down. Anyways, back to Arkansas state. Um, They beat Central Arkansas, 40-21. That's the FCS win. And then they played Memphis uh, at home in in Arkansas, and they went to Washington, who also lost to an FCS team this season. Uh, Memphis, they – While they were ranked. While they were ranked, yeah. Like number 20 or 21. Higher than that? I don't remember. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, some kind of rank. Um, Memphis, they played in Arkansas, like I mentioned, Uh, man, what a shootout that game ended up being 50 to 55 was the final score of this game. Uh, so I don't know if the defenses are just horrible here. I know Memphis is pretty powerful on offense. Uh, they haven't been putting up 50 points a game though. So I am somewhat excited about playing what might be a pretty bad Arkansas defense. Um, let me, yeah, yeah, that was, that was Memphis's highest scoring game of the season. Um, and then against Washington State, they ended up losing that game by a lot. Uh, Washington may be very pissed off after losing to an FCS team or something. Not sure, but they lost 52-3 to at Washington last week. Uh, so not a good showing there. So, like, this seems like a game that we feel like, I mean, when I look at this, without knowing much about this team, uh, admittedly, just feeling, how, feeling this game out. We're coming off an embarrassing loss to an FCS team three weeks ago. Uh, and then... Two extremely good and close games against Oklahoma State and Ohio State, both on the road. So we're coming back home, looking for redemption for the last time we played at home against a team that probably doesn't have a very good defense. And right after two games, we're, we have, we're, we're playing very good football. So I think this is going to be a killer of a game, man. Like what we were talking about with Ohio State being mad and looking forward to this game it didn't quite work out that way for them. It was very close for a lot of that game. I feel like our team is going to look at this one similarly. This is an opportunity for us to – for them to prove to the fans that we're not an 0-3 caliber team here. Like, obviously we played a tough schedule and we dropped a bad one early. Uh, but this is a team that I think can still compete for the conference championship game. Uh, we haven't hit conference play yet. We're playing really well. All, everything we've said about Davis Brandon and all of that um, – I'd like to see a little bit more from some of the receivers josh johnson looks really good it'll be good to get keelan stokes back i wonder how long he's going to be out but overall man i mean this has got to be a game you win like this is a huge game if we if we drop this and go to zero and four then it's like wow okay it's it just i i think the, the if i were to like to pull the fan base right now i think if anyone who's actually watched all three games would feel honestly not too terrible about this season so far obviously like the fcs one is bad but everything else has been honestly better slash as good as you could hope for so if we but if we drop against arkansas state and lose this game i think the the emotions go back down the drain uh heading into conference play against houston and memphis so this is a big one uh you know if i were to give a prediction i think we win it uh probably by a lot honestly with how we're playing Um, But I think it's extremely important that we come out there and play sound, good football. Yeah,
0: this is a must-win game, I would say. Um, Not for conference implications or anything like that. But, like you're saying, just for the fan base in general and for the team. Like, if we play this as poorly as we did at UC Davis and we lose, then, I mean, it just kills so much of your motivation. I don't know like motivation or morale, like this is a team that knows that they can compete. Uh, We talked about it last week. This is a blue collar team. They will stick around with anybody and they've kind of, they've shown that. Um, But on the flip side, we need to get out of that. We will also play with anybody when they're worse than you, which we've seen in the past. Right. So like, yeah, it's frustrating because people, you know, on Twitter, pundits will say, well, you lost to an FCS team. Like, you can't just say that you're better than Arkansas State. Like, you haven't proved. But, I mean, if you look at the games, if you look how we've kind of responded, um, then this is fine. So, I'm not too, uh, like, all that being said, yeah, must win. Uh, you're playing an xp 5 coach, Butch, Butch Jones, over there who replaced... <laughs> Blake Anderson, who we talked about in the season preview, I think, just left for Utah yep. State. Utah State Who's three and zero. Like props to them. Uh, weird that he left. So, um, and I just remember, you know, this isn't going to be like the last time Butch Jones was coaching, where Mizzou beat him so bad that they fired him. Uh, which <laughs> is funny because you know, watch, you know, watch Mizzou. It's kind of my maybe my second team. Um, so yeah, you've got. good i honestly don't know much about him he like tennessee had a couple nine win seasons like he seemed to be good it's just sec level maybe not so they should be a well-coached team but as long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot we should be winning this game even if it is a shootout especially if it's a shootout
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge Butch Jones fan just from watching him in the SEC and things like that. But I will, I think you bring up a good point about uh, the blue collar nature of this team. And we, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, too, or last week or something. And something I think that's going to be really interesting that I think you were touching on there is how, obviously, we've been playing very well as the underdog, but we did not play well as the favorite against Ohio State, to say the least. And we are a 14 point favorite, or I think UC, 13 and a half right now favorite. What did I say, UCF? Ohio State. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally out of left field. Yes, we did not play well as the favorite against uh, against UC Davis, and we are, I think, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite now um, as of as of Monday evening uh, against Arkansas State. So how do we come out and play in a game where we're the favorite again? Because obviously we like being the underdog. It's working pretty well for our, for our guys, and I think that's been the case for years. So how do we come out and play against a team that is an FBS team? You know, it's not like we're going to look. You know, if I don't know if we were looking down on UC UC Davis or what, but uh, maybe the FCS thing was an extra factor where we kind of were coasting. At least this is an FBS opponent from from the Sun Belt, and we're not massive favorites, but we are two score favorites. So I'm I'm super intrigued by how we come out of the gates. Uh, Do we attack this game as much as we attacked Ohio State and Oklahoma State? Um, I think we. Hopefully I don't, the I don't even want to yes. say. I think we will. I think there's. I think there's a pretty good chance we come out kind of slow again. Uh, until proven otherwise, that's kind of how I think it's going to go. Um, we didn't come out slow against Ohio State, but we were the underdog. So I want to see how we do against uh, against a game where we're kind of heavy, pretty heavy favors in this one. All right, uh, close it out here real quick. Let's do a quick look around the conference. Um, there was a really, really amazing game on Friday, uh, the seventeenth. UCF uh, played Louisville in Louisville and man what a game that ended up being uh ended up being a seven point loss for UCF so they're two and one now uh they went up early uh in the game but but lost that one in pretty dramatic fashion uh basically the the, in the fourth quarter with like a minute something left Louisville it was a tie game 35-35 Louisville's driving down the field trying to waste time and then either kick a field goal or score a touchdown to win the game basically uh Louisville passes the ball um UCF lineman jumps up, bats it with his hand. It like pops up into the air. That same lineman who, who batted it down, catches it and recovers it, you know, so, or basically picks it off. Uh, So UCF takes over in the fourth quarter tie game on their, like on Louisville's 40 yard line, where all they need to do is like go another 10 yards and kick a field goal with 50 seconds left and all of their timeouts. So you would think that you would probably just run it a few times, uh, get a little bit closer and try to kick a field goal to win um they did they they don't like their kicker much i know uh daniel obarski at ucf he, i don't think he's he's super great um so they decide they're gonna th- they're gonna throw the ball and the first play they they get on this uh, after they recover this interception uh they throw an interception of their own it bounces off a ucf receiver's hands bounces right into a louisville guy's hands and he runs it night like probably 80 yards back for a pick six touchdown uh, with pretty much no time left. Uh, they they kicked it off after that. Um, UCF got it back. And then with their final play, ran this wild, you know, throw it backwards a bunch of times kind of thing. And unfortunately, it went even worse from there. Uh, ended up with Dylan Gabriel breaking his clavicle uh, on that final play of the game where they were just throwing it, you know, like Hail Mary style, throwing it backwards, hoping for the best. And he ha- he has no timetable on that return. So all of a sudden, UCF goes from, uh, potentially being on the doorstep of a big win against what seems like a pretty decent uh, Power Five team to losing that game and losing their starting quarterback for an undetermined amount of time. And now they have to rely on, I think, a freshman, Mikey Keene. Sounds like he's going to be the guy for them at QB. So, wow, what a freaking wild turn of events it ended up being for ECF.
0: Just a. To- Question for you. Now that UCF Cincinnati and Houston have decided to abandon the conference, do you find yourself rooting against them in their games?
1: Such an interesting question. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, So I was, I, I asked this out loud to myself while I was watching this game. I don't know. I like part of me was still pulling for UCF just because I've been pulling for the American to beat the power five guys for so long. That's just like part of me now. Um, but also I, I can't stand UCF. So like it was equal things falling apart. By the at the end of that game when when Louisville picked it off and like ran it back for a touchdown, you know, just thinking about what are my what are my instinct reactions when these plays have happened instead of what I what I'm trying to think about here. I was losing my I was like laughing, losing my mind when that happened like out loud. And so I think that means I wanted Louisville to win this game, you know. Uh maybe I was just enjoying the game. I'm not sure. Uh, But it is a really interesting thing. When I think about Houston, I want them to lose all of their games. When I think about Cincinnati, I don't care about them one way or the other. I probably want them to lose all of their games. But, like, if they're playing a big Power 5 opponent, part of me still wants the American to get that win. Like, it helps Tulsa's conference still while they're here. So, I don't know. I'm conflicted on it. All right, so let's cover the rest of them. Uh, That was the only game I actually got to watch a lot of this weekend, aside from the Tulsa game. Uh, so I'll just run through the scores with the rest of them. Cincinnati, the other the other big game. There were, there were a few big games. Uh, one of the other big games, Cincinnati played on the road at Indiana. Uh, I think they were down 14 to nothing early in this game. Uh, got scared by Indiana, then came back and won 38 to 24. So ended up being a pretty big win on the road for Cincy. Uh, Tulane, another huge one here for the conference that a lot of people are pointing to as like, this could be a sleeper for like the game of the week. Because Tulane was just coming off the five-point loss at Oklahoma, right? And so now they go on the road to Ole Miss, um, and that did not go as planned. I mean, after losing by five to OU, they get blown out of the out of the stadium by forty to Ole Miss. Not, I mean, that just I would never have thought in a million years that's how that would have gone. I understand Ole Miss is is good. Uh, Lane Kiffin is doing a good job now. Matt Corral, their quarterback, is getting all this Heisman attention and stuff. But wow, a forty point loss for Tulane after they lose by five to OU is looked kind of
0: weak. I mean, other than their went over but FCS. still like, like their Nebraska way. Are they close.
1: are they that much weaker Go than ahead. than all Miss? <laughs> like that I understand like I know people are kind of have concerns about about the Sooners this year, especially with how they've played early on, but a forty point loss to all Miss I I no way, man. I would I would they could play that game nine more times in a row and I would never pick that again to happen. Just really weird. Um a more predictable game followed that one up. That was Boston College at Temple. Uh, Temple, bad, as we've talked about. They lost by a lot to Boston College, who's also bad. Uh, but Temple lost 28-3. So good job, Owls. Keep it up. Yeah, You're making me look good for my, for my not liking your team. But they did at least score, so that's fine. Uh, crazy game. SMU played Louisiana Tech. I did not get to watch this. I wish I would have because it ended in an extremely dramatic fashion. SMU, you would have thought, I don't know what the spread on this game was, but Louisiana Tech was one and one going to this game. SMU was undefeated with two like massive wins. Um, ended up being a two point win for Louisiana Tech on a Hail Mary, like throwback to two lane game last season for us. smu SMU's got zero seconds left on the clock. They throw this ball up into the end zone. It gets batted right to an SMU guy. Like he was saying like five yards away from everybody else. And that's how that game ends. Just walk off touchdown to win the game for them. Against I what I, I don't know if maybe Louisiana Tech is actually actually decent. Uh but man, I would have thought they would have won that one by by a lot more than two and not need a Hail Mary to do it. So their offense is still killing it. Tanner Mordecai had another like whatever five touchdown passes, almost four hundred yards passing again, so he's doing fine. Uh but I think their defense once again has has some serious question marks. Uh, and then round things out here. Memphis played Mississippi state at home. So in Memphis, another pretty wild game. Memphis had a, a crazy, like, I don't remember if it was, I think it was a punt return touchdown. Like Memphis, uh, punted it, Mississippi state was running around it, debating whether to touch the ball or not. They actually did touch it. And this was pretty controversial. I don't know what the actual rule should have been here. Um, but Mississippi state touches the ball, which I would have think means it's down right there. Uh, but the, I, I guess maybe you have a couple seconds uh, to t- for Memphis to grab it after this happens because nobody, no, uh, no refs blew their whistles or anything. After they touch it, they kind of started walking away. And Memphis guy, uh, I think it was Calvin Austin. They're like ridiculous playmaker receiver and, and punt returner uh, swoops in like uh like Trey Watts from 2012 or whatever year that was picks up that ball off the ground and runs it all the way back for a touchdown. This was in the fourth quarter. So like this ended up, ended up being a two point game or whatever. Um, so what a, what a huge play that that was for, for Memphis. And they ended up uh, winning that game 31 to 29. Uh, sorry. Did you say something? Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought I heard something. Um, final three. I didn't get to watch any part of any of these games. So I don't know how, how dramatic they were or not. It looks like this next one was probably dramatic. East Carolina beat Marshall by four points and had 21 points in the fourth quarter and only one by four. So got to think that was quite a game to watch as well for East Carolina. That is pretty amazing. Uh, so they got the win, their first win of the season. And Marshall's a good team. They the, they blew out Navy by like 45 or whatever, I think, in week one. Uh, Houston played Grambling, which uh, they won 45 to nothing. So not much to take away from that one, probably. Um, and then South Florida also, as mentioned earlier, got their first win of the season against Florida A&M. The FCS team, 38 to 17. Uh, so at least they got a they got a win on the schedule um, down in Tampa, so that's nice. All right, um, two quick things before we wrap this one up that I think are cool enough/slash big enough to at least bring up quickly. One of them, uh, Brad Carson, the new University of Tulsa president, put on Twitter uh, recently. Let me pull up the tweet here. It was a cool one, so I want to I want to read it out. Yes, he said. Did you know at U Tulsa friends that the original school colors were orange and black? The university changed to scarlet, royal blue and gold in 1941. Don't see much scarlet these days, but maybe we should occasionally highlight? Question mark. Right. So, oh my gosh, my first thought is, "Oh my god, they're going to bring back the red alternate jerseys from 2008 or whatever." So I quote tweeted the the tweet about, man, you should bring these red jerseys back with some screenshots from the game that I found on YouTube from it. And they looked really cool. And he retweeted that and said maybe, or he said, uh, he he like replied after he retweeted it and said, maybe I will, or maybe I'll do that just for fun or something. So, wow, my hopes are, have never been higher for the return of the red alternates. That would be incredible. And then final note, uh, just today, I just saw, so I wanted to mention it, breaking news as of like two hours ago. Mike Oresco got a three-year extension as the commissioner of the American. A lot of people uh, were commenting on the odd timing of that announcement with all the crazy realignment stuff that's going on, and he just lost three of his teams. Honestly, I think he deserves an extension. I think he's a great commissioner. I have nothing bad to say about the guy. Honestly, I think he works his ass off. Uh, He doesn't. Sometimes, I mean, he has recently put the American out there on a limb and, like, fought for the American. Sometimes I think he gets some unfair flack that he doesn't do that enough. I think he does it plenty. Take a look at the Power Six thing. Like, what else do you want? He, he's doing his best, and he can make fun of the Power Six. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a great thing, but it has definitely given the conference attention and drawn some extra attention to the teams that we have in this league. So uh that plus a lot of other smaller things, I think he's a good commissioner. I'm happy he got the extension.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you even saying, like, You know, he lost a couple of his teams. UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston would not have uh, been (laughs) candidates for the Big 12 if Oresco didn't make this the premier, you know, P6 conference.
1: Yeah, 100%. And anybody else who had been here, if they had that same level of success that we've had under Oresco, they're not going to stay in the American when the Big 12 is knocking on the door. Nobody, no conference commissioner is going to be able to make that happen. It's, it's just so much more money. You get to be part of an a five an autonomous conference. Like you're not going to turn that down no matter what. So there's nothing he can do there. So I don't know. I don't understand some of the flack that he gets. Sometimes I'm, I'm a huge fan of having him as the commissioner. All right. That's all I've got, Matt. Do you want to, you have anything to bring up before we close it down? Just
0: I'm excited. Um, they, I feel like this is the first time we've seen the alternate colors of the Juju hat. Last year, it was blue. <laughs>
1: oh, true. Good point. Um, yeah, you should have brought that it, up. I forgot. There was also,
0: I think, a different hat last year. Um, so, but we've seen you, you should mention what the
1: different colors
0: Yeah. So, identify, what, we, if you're, well, I don't know. I have not been, a, I have been told that there is not an actual designation for any specific color. I asked my friend, because uh, I saw her Saturday, about. Uh, if each color represents something else because from what i've seen it looks like the gold so there's blue gold and red uh so maybe the Mm. red they who knows maybe they bring that out during the uh same day they bring the jerseys um but we've seen the gold we've seen the blue the gold kind of just looks tan to me um yes but (laughs) the gold has exclusively i believe been worn by defensive players uh so we've seen it trayvon fuller Justin Wright, on their turnovers the last two weeks, have had the gold hat. Cannon Montgomery and other offensive players have worn the blue one. So my other assumption is maybe the red is for special teams when we have a 40-yard field goal or something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of what I thought too. Yeah,
0: so who knows? Maybe we'll see it later. I'm excited. Um, send me your red hat sightings uh, at
1: mrectangles. Is that my Twitter handle? Yeah, do it there.
0: all about the red juju hat
1: (laughs) man if we break those out the same time we break out the red jerseys oh my gosh i will lose my mind that would be incredible uh all right we will close it there um appreciate you all listening make sure you are subscribed or follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts we are everywhere we're on apple podcasts on spotify on google podcasts on overcast anywhere you could probably possibly listen to podcasts we are there um while you're subscribing slash following us, uh make sure you drop us a ra- rating or review. Um those really help a lot. We we wanna we wanna hear feedback from you, what you like, what you don't like about the show. Um if you don't want to do it in a review, you can send us an email. Uh our email address is thegoldenhuracast at gmail.com. Drop us some feedback there. Uh and if you'd like to support us financially, you can do that as well. Um you can go to our website at thegoldenhuracast.com support, and you'll find those ways there. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GoldenHurricast. And I think that'll be it. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening once again. And we will talk to you next week.
0: Stay golden. Hurricast.